Need a cherry. Little uh, Buffalo stance there. From uh, when was that? 19... 1990? I think it might have been 1990. 1989, 1990. Might have been 1989. I was listening to the uh, the video, not the video, the, the cassette. I think right around 1990, I was cruising around with that cassette in my car. The whole, the whole record. It's a really good record. Raw, like sushi. Nina Cherry, Buffalo Stance. She's the daughter of uh, Don Cherry. And Eagle Eye Cherry, her half-brother. Who is the more talented of the two cherries? I might go with Eagle Eye. Even though I think Buffalo Stance is a great record. 
And the whole record, Raw Like Sushi is great. Kisses on the Wind. I mean, really good stuff. Um, she had teamed up with uh, the guy with the gold tooth, who reminds me of Darren Williams a little bit. That's uh, Tim Simonen, a.k.a. Bomb the Bass. And uh, we're going back in time. It is a Mercury retrograde. Thanks for being here. Welcome to another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. Appreciate your patience as we uh, get today's uh, proceedings underway. And you know, the reason why it took me a while is because I was looking for the right backdrop today. And we're staying with this Buffalo theme. We might we might tap this mine for another day or two, maybe, because we're going to go back to the shooting in Buffalo, which is getting stranger and stranger by the day as more and more information begins to come out. And the 180 page manifesto, much of which was copied and pasted from the uh, Christchurch shooting manifesto. And there's a lot of uh, very strange and conflicting reports um, about who this guy really is. Because when the news broke, it's actually somebody with a different name. And so I went online and I, and I, and I, and I found out you know, where this, uh, this market was in Buffalo. It's a place called Tops, T-O-P-P-S market. And it's on Jefferson Avenue. So what do we think of when we think of Jefferson? We think of slaves, right? We think of slaves. I mean, this whole thing seems to be synchromistically choreographed. Even from the position of Jake Angeli, who is in the thumbnail today, a.k.a. Q Shaman or Buffalo Shaman. And he's the guy that leads, theoretically, the insurrection on January 6th. And we have the shooting in Buffalo, New York, in shades of the Buffalo Shaman. And I think we're being buffaloed here. I think that's, I think that's the message. We'll get into some more of the Buffalo symbolism today. It's, it's um, fairly interesting. I'm also going to go to a tweet. It's not even really a tweet. It was a uh, review of Topps Market, which I found online. And it's in, a really, it's in a pretty bad neighborhood of Buffalo. And apparently there are always fights going on there uh, inside the store. Like this is not your kind of typical average upper middle class Kroger's or whatever. This is this is a store that is uh, in the hood with, with actually a pretty bad reputation. I mean, if you go in and read the reviews for the store, it sounds like the store absolutely sucks. So the, again, the question is why would the shooter drive? I think he's about 190 miles away <coughs> from uh, that market. Why would he choose that market? Why would he choose that market specifically? It reminds me in a lot of ways of the uh, El Paso shooter who was targeting the, uh, the people crossing the border, Mexicanos. And when in actuality, I think he was part Mexican and he lived in Dallas. And the last time I checked, there were, you, you know, a couple of Mexican people living in Dallas uh, some Mexican neighborhoods living in Dallas or Mexican neighborhoods in Dallas period. He didn't have to try. He didn't have to drive that far. I mean, so he made a, 
a statement by going to the border. He picks a Walmart. Walmart, and again, I've talked about this before, has the, the most sophisticated security systems in North America for a store. They are literally tracking how much money you have the moment you walk into their store. That's how sophisticated Walmart is. They got cameras everywhere. Everywhere. And what do we get from the El Paso shooter? Barely any footage. It's grainy. It's a weird CCTV footage. So we're going to get into a little bit of that today with the Buffalo shooting and the Tops Market. It's called Tops Market, T-O-P-P-S. And again, it's on, it's on Jefferson Street in Buffalo. And there's a lot of, you know, very weird, synchromistic, ambient Buffalo imagery going on. Right? We have the True Node in Taurus, which is the bull. The bull and the bison, they're, they're cousins, right? Buffalo bison and the bull, they're, they're, they're cousins. And uh, so there's a lot of that. We've got Uranus and Taurus, the True Node in Taurus, the Sun in Taurus. And right now, uh, the Sun is conjunct alcohol in the sign of Taurus. We're about ready to go into Gemini here very quickly. So this is an interesting event. And uh, we'll get into some, we'll also get into the new press secretary who was uh, hit, hit the ground it was like it was like a plane landing with the landing gear up. Karen, she's a Karen. And she's from Martinique. And I was, I think it was on her Wikipedia page or a page that was giving bio information. Apparently, she's a French citizen. And she is married. And I'm going to show you who she's married to. She's not just married to um, a nobody, by the way. She's married to a somebody. And the, the, the story of the somebody is even kind of bizarre. The, does, does it, does it, uh, are, are you surprised at that? Anyway, she hit the ground and she was just a, a flaming, like, bag of shit yesterday. Terrible. Terrible. Jen Stackey is a seasoned uh, sociopath. Seasoned sociopath. This woman is not. She was fumbling. She, you know, they wrote her a bunch of notes. She couldn't. She couldn't answer Peter Ducey's question about Biden equating uh, inflation to rising taxes for corporations because the two. They make no sense, right? Like you're going to raise taxes for corporations, which is a Bernie trope. And what they're doing now is they're trying to kind of worm their way, they being the Democrats, you know, the left, and even the right that enables them, who are really on the same team, by the way. But they're trying to worm their way back towards the center. And believe it or not, in this amalgam of ideologies and public servants, Bernie Sanders is closer to the fucking center than Ocasio-Cortez, or even how people like uh, 
Nancy Pelosi have basically mutated and morphed further and further left. Because Bernie now is standing up for the working class, right? He's standing up for the families. And you can even see this with some, I think one of Biden's recent speeches, he was talking about funding the police. You know why? He wants the fucking police unions to come out and essentially support the Democratic candidates. And he's saying, we want to give you money. We want to give you money for equipment. We want to give you money for, he just did this speech. And you may laugh at Joe Biden or whoever's playing Joe Biden, but when he gives a speech like that, listen to the message. And you may smirk at the messenger, but listen to the message. The message is, they're telling you something. And they're communicating to police departments, we want to give you, this is what they did with Obama. When, when Obama was president, the, the police force got a shit ton of money. And not only did they get a shit ton of money, but they got a bunch of breaks on all this discontinued military equipment that they weren't using anymore. And what did they do? They bought it. They bought it on the cheap, right? So they were getting tanks, they were getting armored vehicles, LRADs. I mean, all the stuff that theoretically your local police department really should have no business having in their arsenal. Well, they got. And then they went off to Israel and then the, the chief of police or the sergeant or the head constable, whoever the fuck was in charge, would go to Israel. And then they would get trained by the IDF and they'd go over multiple times. I've talked about, I talked about this a long time ago, right? Well, they seem to be going back in that direction again. And they roll Black Lives Matter out as a um, destabilizing force. I mean, Black Lives Matter was a revolutionary army. And it was, it was created for one sole purpose. And that one sole purpose was to overthrow the American government, which they did a fine job of. Thanks to the media. Thanks to even Donald Trump. I mean, I may get some hate here, but Donald Trump never once, I don't think he, I don't think he ever mentioned Black Lives Matter. He mentioned Antifa a couple times, more than a couple times. On two occasions, he threatened to name them as domestic terrorists, but he never did. He certainly never did that with Black Lives Matter. And so Black Lives Matter was just completely untouched during the entire time. And they were in, cry they were in cryogenic suspension. When, uh, when Obama was president, that's where they came on the scene. And I remember specifically when they started to show up at cafes in Seattle. Because they knew Seattle was going to have a, uh, how do I say this, race-friendly mayor. And they weren't going to be arrested or they weren't going to be thrown in the pokey. So they could go into cafes and they could disturb the shit out of these people in cafes, which is what they did. And they started to get more brazen and more brazen. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And then, of course, we have the wave of the so-called violence and uh, the Black Plague or the Black Death during the Obama era, starting with Trayvon Martin and each one getting more successively hot, more successively hot. And Obama never once coming out and saying, hey, look. We got to stop this shit, okay? We got to stop it. We got to, we got to, we got to, we got to put this thing in a hazmat bag because it's tearing America apart, and we need to really come at this from as a country. Well, why didn't he do that? Well, he was in on it. That's why he was in on the whole thing.
D. Ray McKesson went to the White House multiple times. Bill Ayers was a regular attendee at the White House. Bill Ayers is a fucking terrorist. They were, they were planning. They were planning the, the, the not-so-open, if you were looking, you could see it, the not-so-open overthrow of the American people and the American government. And this gets into a much bigger picture of what's going on in Russia, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on in China. I mean, I feel like whatever it is we're going through, Russia's in on it. And a lot of people won't like to hear that. A lot of people like to think that Russia is playing the role of the great white savior. Look at what's going on with Russia right now. They're making a shit ton of money. The ruble has never been stronger um, because we've shut down our ability to produce, extract petroleum out of the ground and essentially like end any new leases, right? The two massive uh, oil fields in Alaska. Nope, sorry, we're not going to do that. What happens with Russia and their pipeline? Super, that it makes them really more valuable. Russia is um, re-racking their whole financial system, you know, pinning oil to the ruble, pinning their oil to gold and getting away with it. The ruble versus the dollar has never been stronger. And if you invested in the ruble on a Forex exchange, you're probably doing pretty well and it's going to continue to rise, right? So what, what is Russia's real role here? Russia's real role is to help destabilize the United States. That's what's going on. It's always been the role of Russia. And the people inside of this government who are theoretically running this script know this. If Russia wanted to, like Russia could completely wipe out Ukraine. They could have done it in weeks. And by the way, I think the war in Ukraine is over. I think it's over. I think, I think they ended it probably about a week ago, maybe two, whatever semblance of, of a conflict. And there's probably a conflict there. There's probably a conflict, but Russia could have ended it very easily, very easily. But this thing has gone on for a while. And um, you just, we just had this event in Mariupol where the Azov battalion theoretically surrendered. You know, So Russia had a victory parade last week. They had a parade. You don't have a parade unless you want a fucking war, okay? It just doesn't, doesn't work that way. So now the war is ending. It's, it's ending. And we may get some strange reports or whatever, but the, for all intents and purposes, it's ending. And they managed to, and I think the Senate just passed it, they managed to extract close to $100 billion to send to Ukraine. And the latest tranche they just sent is, is going there and it's after the fact, totally after the fact. It's a ripoff, people. And it's all being used to destabilize this country. It's all part of a much bigger plan. Are you coming over here? By the way, if uh, you thank you for sending me some kind notes about Rosie. Uh, truly appreciated. And um, she will be missed. Uh, there's just a big space here now. But sometimes the golden one has enough personality and charisma to uh, fill the space, to fill the void. Not always, but sometimes. Isn't that right? The Astro Cat is with us. So this whole Russia thing, I think has been part of 
part of the plan. People, you've been buffaloed. You've been buffaloed. Now you've got, oh, Finland is going to join the eat, going to join NATO, and Sweden is going to join NATO. Okay. All right. Oh, because they're afraid of the nuclear threat. Have you seen the, the prime minister from Finland? She looks, you haven't. I haven't shown you the picture. She looks like a, she looks like a, a, a middle school principal. I swear to God. She's there hanging out with Klaus. Maybe we'll talk about Klaus Schwab today because apparently, speaking of shamans, um, they're, they're interested in doing mushrooms at Davos. Could you imagine doing mushrooms with Klaus Schwab? I can't think of a more fucking bad trip than that. Like that would just be the worst trip ever. Worst, bad, bad trip. <laughs> and you know they do this shit. You know they do hallucinogenics. Of course they do. I'm sure they rig it in a way so that they don't have a bad trip. All right. Why don't we talk a little bit about uh, CBD and uh, my buddy Chris, who is a sponsor of the show. That is true hemp science. And um, I, I'm still going to put together that little, little video. I'm going to do that today. So you guys can actually see Chris's store. You know, one of these days, what I'll do is one of these Fridays, I'll do a, uh, I'll do a, I'll do a show from this store. I think that'd be cool, right? Would you like that, Jasper? You wouldn't, you wouldn't be part of the show though. So if you're looking for really good CBD, and there's a ton of CBD out there, my friend Chris at uh, True Hemp Science, he's got good stuff. And like I said, he's a mad scientist. He laid some stuff on me on Saturday. He had that little twinkle in his eye. And he, you know, these are the unlabeled little bottles and with special instructions, especially with one of them, like, don't take this at night. <laughs> okay. All right. So when you, uh, when you, when you buy his hemp products, again, you're supporting his business um, and you're supporting the show because you know, I am an affiliate of his products. So, and they're good. So guess what? You're supporting him. You're supporting me. You're supporting the ability to do this. And I think it's important. Having this platform is really, really important. So right there, there's the link, True Hemp Science. If you want to have some help with inflammation, sleepless nights, hook your pets up with some CBD. Chris has a whole catalog of stuff like that. And, you know, you, and you can always, you can always call him too. If you have any questions, uh, they've got a phone number. You can ask him questions. A number of people have talked with him. He's a super nice guy. So there you go. The other thing I did want to talk about is subscribing to this show. We have the five month, $5 a month, $10 a month, and $20 a month. $10 a month gets you 5% off my services. $20 a month gets you 10% off my services. How about that? And you get to attend some webinars. Um, and the reason why I'm talking about this is because it helps me ultimately pay for the, uh, for the show, right? Helps me pay for the show. And 
I wanted to talk about why this is important. I'm not going to lecture you, but I'm going to tell you why it's important. Because I use BoxCast as a service. I don't use YouTube. Um, I put some of the videos up on Rumble when I have the bandwidth. And, you know, I'll do my YouTube show on Friday and I'll do my YouTube show on Sunday. And it's usually because I'm talking about different things. And when you support me by becoming a subscriber, you're supporting BoxCast too. And BoxCast is a great company. They're based out of Cleveland, Ohio. You know, knock on, you know, part of the board wood. Not once have I ever, ever had anything come from BoxCast in terms of, hey, you know, that may change. That could change, possibly. I'm hoping it doesn't. But never once have they ever had any kind of critique about my content. Um, they have had an issue with Facebook. I think people were doing some streaming from BoxCast to Facebook. And Facebook might have shut them down. And I, again, I'm not sure what the content was. There's a lot of uh, religious channels on BoxCast. A lot of churches use BoxCast. So it may not be somebody like me. But... You know, by me paying for the ability to stream off my website every month allows me to continue to send money to BoxCast, which will, which will allow people to be employed there and will allow them to then take their money and then have them spend it in their community. So it's all part of a chain, right? And there's a downstream with this chain. So if you can subscribe to the show, it's always um, appreciated, not just for me, but for people like Boxcat in Zoom, you know, I, I use Zoom to stream here. And that's another um, added cost to the show. And, you know, at the end of the day, these are not backbreaking costs. They're actually tremendously affordable and scaled. To try to do this 10 years ago, you, first of all, you wouldn't be able to do it. And if you did, you would have had to have come in with some very high-powered broadcast technology. So everything has been scaled proportionally. And at the end of the day, it is a cost. And it's, an, you know, there's just this cost of doing business. So anyway, that's my pitch for now. Let me get in and check with you guys in terms of uh, who's here, what's going on with your world. And we will get into more of today's show. We got TJ. What's going on, Tom? Good to see you. DJ MC's here. What's going on, brother? There's Sony. Queen Lisa's in the house. There's Michael Empath. All right, all right, all right. Right back at you. There is my man, Iron Lungs, Mr. Maurice 100. CC Jones in the house. Hucklebuck 411 is here. It seems to be coming out that the Buffalo shooter was not so much of a right winger. Also, the new press secretary has a less than stellar. Oh, she was terrible. We'll get into her. Uh, we'll get into her. Okay, Chris and Steve, I saw that you called last night. I will call you back. Uh, my ringer was off. And um, we'll uh, we'll, get, we'll uh, reach out today. The beautiful Wendy says is here. Uh, Empath, another FBI. It feels that way. I mean, there's two. It's weird. There's two different. We'll get into this. Miss Nakia, what's going on? Miss Nakia, good to see you. Ryan, there's my man, the international woodworker. 
president of the International Woodworkers Union, Local 1122. C. Pines in the house. Well, welcome back. We missed you too. Uh, let's see, voting day here. We get to piss off both sides of the aisle and vote for Madison Cawthorn. Look at that. Cremies wearing their vote on their sleeves. That's gangster. That's some gangster shit. Uh, let's see. There's my man, Steve. What's going on? Kabuki Theater in the house. Did the national effort to discredit him work? I guess we'll find out, huh? Old school week. Yeah, you're just commenting on the, you know, I have to say, I was kind of into Nina Cherry. I was kind of into Nina Cherry at the time. But she went woke. Because I was like, okay, so Nina Cherry's career is strange. She has raw like sushi, great record, sells a ton of copies, and she comes down with Lyme disease, which is not good. And that that uh, took her out of circulation for a while. And she eventually came back and made a few records, but nothing as good as raw like sushi. I think she became a mom, had a couple of kids, and now she's totally fucking woke. It's like. One record, one one record wonder. But for that one record, good stuff. Uh, a Navy battleship came into port for christening yesterday. Gray death. What did they christen it with? Let's see. Tamara's going home. Safe journeys, Tamara. The girl's accent sounds like backwoods Appalachia. She's actually, I think, raised in England. Don Cherry, her father, was a very talented jazz musician, if you're not familiar with Don Cherry, um, but had a lifelong struggle with heroin, like a lot of jazz players did. And he did this one European tour where he had a writer um, in his contract that, that basically said, let's say if he was playing Stuttgart, okay, he was playing, and I think Cherry was living in Paris at the time. So let's say he was playing in Stuttgart. He had a writer in his contract that allowed him after the show to go back to Paris. Like, like every show he did, they had to provide him with a ticket, either via train or plane to go back to Paris after the show. And the reason he did it was to shoot heroin because he found he felt like it was too dangerous to bring his junk with him, cross borders, try to score. I mean, in a lot of ways it's smart, right? Like he knows where he could get his heroin from. So why would he, why would he risk getting busted in some other country, right? So Don Cherry was really talented, but and I was living in the Bay Area, and Don Cherry was there. He was living there, and he was um, playing with a group called the Hieroglyphics Orchestra, which was fronted by this guy named Peter Applebaum, who was a drummer, a very good drummer. And I saw them play one, and that was kind of a who's who. I mean, everybody who was kind of on the young, the young lions of the Berkeley jazz scene. This was back in 
1988 played with hieroglyphics. You had Will Bernard, who's a really good guitar player on guitar, Jeffrey Gordon, uh, rest in peace, Jeffrey, um, on percussion. I think Jai Utal played with hieroglyphics. I think Joshua Redmond sat in with them from time to time. Um, who else? Well, yeah, Peter, Peter Applebaum on drums and, and Don Cherry. And Don Cherry would play pocket trumpet with them. And I remember I saw Don Cherry come up on stage and play pocket trumpet with hieroglyphics. And it was fucking weird. The band was great. Uh, Cherry's performance was strange, to say the least. Very strange. And he was probably high as a fucking kite. Okay, who else do we have here? Um, oh, Ryan. I'm wondering, Ryan, did you vote? Oh, yeah, you don't have to say this. Ryan's in Pennsylvania. So this is the election for Dr. Schnoz and the other Republican, and they've been throwing uh, manure at each other, and then Kathy Barnett. I hope Kathy Barnett wins. More, uh, okay, so Trump just endorsed Madison Cawthorn. Oh, wow. But they took his district away, sort of, and meshed him with another, trying to make him disappear like they did to Kucinich in Ohio. I was a Dennis Kucinich. I met Dennis Kucinich. Very odd guy. Not bad, but odd. Who else do we have? Um, anybody else? Going once, going twice, going three times. I didn't vote for any of Trump's endorsed candidates. Ryan, congratulations. Thinking for yourself there. 1987, Michael says, uh, 87 was when Raw Like Sushi came out. That makes sense. Oh, 88, 88. It's about right. I think I came to that party a little late. I think I picked up the cassette at a used record store, I think in 90. Uh, let's see, who else do we have here? Mark Matheny, what's going on, Mark? Good to see you, brother. Astro brother. Anybody else here? Did I say hi to Fran? Hi, Fran. Welcome to the show. Uh, let's see. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Tondar. It's the store where the chitterlings, chicken feet, the bad prices on fruits and vegetables. Bingo. We're talking about tops. Let's see. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Going once, going twice. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Student loan payments have been on hold since Biden became president day. Court that vote, court that vote. When you buy a whole chicken, it should come with gizzards. Costco doesn't include them. I'm, I'm a little underwhelmed by the Costco roasted chicken. Just a little underwhelmed. I used to buy it. You know what I did yesterday? You come down here? Are you done? Are you out? Are you out? What do you have to say to people? Do you want, do you want to just talk right into the mic? You're positioned perfectly. 
was talking to the mic. Yeah. Now I know. What are you going to do today? Sleep? Yeah, you're going to sleep. Yeah, you'll sleep. Jasper missing his pal. Government is slavery sums it up perfectly. Mm, I'd agree with that. Let's see. I guess what happened to Gaddafi won't happen to Putin. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Saki blames the baby formula shortage on hoarders. Russia doesn't see it as a war. Who knows how Russia sees it? I think they're in on it. This is all about taking down the U.S. of A. This is what's happening. It's all about the takedown. Russia's in on it. That's my, that's my take. Anybody else here? Go once, going twice. Anybody new? Just going through. I think we got a full house here. Equa, what's going on, Equa? Lots of churches use Boxcast. Maybe that explains church leading language. Could be. Good, good call. Yeah, it is a very popular uh, platform. Beth Berry's here. What's going on, Beth? Thanks for the email. Appreciate that. Um, Dennis was great. He he was a 69TM. The gummies are spectacular. Good. Right on. Good, good. We got some good. Uh, the jar is great, right? The, 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 the gummies, the sleep gummies are the freaking bomb. You're the bomb. I was going to wear my buffalo hat today. Maybe I'll wear it tomorrow. Maybe I'll wear the buffalo hat tomorrow. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, where do I want to start? So I think it's really interesting. The, the, the whole kind of synchromysticism with, with the buffalo imagery in the city of Buffalo, of course, in New York. And then I was thinking about um, Amber Heard. And we spell her name H-E-A-R-D. But really, it has the same pronunciation as H-E-R-D, right? Heard. And, you know, what, what is, you know, what is a giant group of buffalo? It's a herd, right? And Amber Heard just happens to be a Taurus. In fact, she's born at Zero Taurus, and she is in the news now on a daily basis, thanks to the never-ending trial of her and Johnny Depp. And I was looking at how long Ghislaine Maxwell's trial lasted, because this one has lasted for fucking ever. Like, how long did Blaine Maxwell's trial last? Blaine Maxwell's trial lasted, I'll tell you what lasted longer than Ghislaine Maxwell's trial. It was the TV series of the Geico Cavemen. Remember them? Remember the Geico Cavemen? Wildly popular in the commercial. Somebody thought, hey, let's do a series with the Geico Cavemen. Lasted six weeks. The Ghislaine Maxwell trial, four weeks, four weeks. And yet we're getting Johnny and Amber every single day now. Now, this trial, Johnny Depp is suing her for $100 million. 
hundred million. So he's playing with very high stakes. And by the way, and again, I really, I could care less on some level, but somewhere I'd like to think somewhere deep inside Amber Heard might be an actual person. And her, her big cash cow was playing this character. I think she wasn't, she like, um, uh, the wife of Aquaman. I think she was the wife of Aquaman in the Aquaman series. And also, I believe she was in the Justice League series with uh, Jason Momoa as Aquaman. And now they just, they just canned her. Said, no, we can't have you on. We can't have you as part of the show. We can't have you as part of the movie. And they're insinuating that it's her drug use. So Amber Heard is now beginning to experience this major fall from grace. Johnny Depp, I'm not a huge Johnny Depp fan. I don't, I don't like what he did with the, um, with the West Memphis three. I, I think that he sprung, helped spring three people who murdered two kids and did it ritualistically and then bonded with who is probably the mastermind of the whole thing. And Damien Eccles. Like, I just, I don't think Johnny Depp is a good dude. And he was very close to Hunter S Thompson. And I believe that, that Hunter S Thompson is having a supernatural effect on Johnny Depp, which I've, which I've talked about. So that brings us to another Hunter S. Thompson movie, one that is lesser known than the um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas movie, and that's called Where the Buffalo Roam. Oh, more Buffalo imagery, more Buffalo imagery via Hunter S. Thompson through Johnny Depp, right? And then, of course, his ex-wife, Amber Heard. H-E-A-R-D, H-E-R-D, herd, as in a herd of buffalo. So this is all very interesting. What happened to the buffalo? They were slaughtered. They were absolutely slaughtered. You know, I talked about uh, the uh, competition that uh, that uh, Buffalo Bill Cody had in shooting the buffalo. It supposedly shot like what eight thousand of them, an inflated number, but probably probably not far off. And the buffalo were almost extinct; they were almost completely wiped out off of the prairies of the American landscape. Right. So this is what happens to the buffalo. This these mighty beasts. who roamed across the American plains freely with their, with their calves and, you know, their, their uh, Buffalo mamas, right. And they get wiped out. And I've talked about this movie called um, bless the beasts and the children. I th- is that a Billy Wilder movie? <laughs> it might be. So the idea of this movie, bless the beasts and the children takes place at a, uh, at a summer camp and it's all these, you know, offbeat kids who can't get along or 
you know, they're, they're the, they're the, you know, they're the geeks and um, they don't fit in. Island of Misfit Toys. And they hijack a school bus and there's going to be a buffalo shoot near their, their summer camp. And their idea is to get there before um, the shooters arrive. And they do. And then they open the pen and the buffalo won't leave. And they do everything in their power to try to scare them and they're, they're just not going to leave. So the shooters show up and they start plinking, plinking away. And all that footage is real because they would have these shoots that the Forest Service would sponsor. So they took advantage of these, this shoot and they, and they filmed the, you know, a large chunk of this Buffalo shoot. So you, it's a, it's a very visceral part of the movie and it's absolutely heartbreaking because it's our dilemma. It's really our dilemma. You can open the gate, but because this great animal, this great beast has become domesticated and has become trapped in the, in the conditions of um, convenience, has no desire to be free, has no desire to reclaim its place uh, amongst its environment. It's become domesticated. And then what happens? Led to slaughter. So there's a lot of really interesting imagery that goes along with what happened or didn't happen in Buffalo. And then we also have this weird thing going on, right? With Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and we're the Buffalo Roam, which is a film with Bill Murray. It's basically Fear and Loathing, but with a different title. And Bill Murray playing the Hunter S. Thompson role. He's another dark character. Bill Murray's a very dark character. And Peter Boyle playing the Benicio del Toro role, which is uh, his lawyer, right, in the movie. So why don't we get into um, some of this strange stuff with the, uh, the shooting. Looking good today, looking good in every way. All right, let me get to my source here. All right. Well, that's interesting. Okay, here we go. Let me do this. All right. 
Now, I don't know if these links are still gonna be active. This is, this is very weird. So the name of the suspect in the Buffalo shooting um, is not the same name of the person that they initially named as the shooter. I'm going to show you. Who is Frank Mortensen and why did he kill 10 people in the Buffalo? So let's just, let's check this out. This is really weird. Who is Frank Mortensen? Why did he kill 10 people in the Buffalo shootout? Explain. A teenager killed 10 people in a shootout and injured three others. It took place in Buffalo, New York at the top market. It was witnessed by many people. Everyone who saw the aftermath of the shootout was shocked at the extent of the destruction and the crucial work done by the teenager who murdered those people. Who was this guy? What was his motive for committing such a serious crime? Let's get into the details. The 18-year-old man who was responsible for the shooting was just about to turn 19 next month. So that would line up with the same birth date as... Uh, Peyton Gedron, right? Which is a bizarre name. But it's different names. Because Peyton Gedron, I believe the birthday is June 20th, right? The 18-year-old man who was responsible for shooting was just about to turn 19 next month. What was the catalyst for this teenager to kill 10 people? The guy was also wearing a device that allowed him to stream, to live stream the shooting. Who is Frank Mortensen? Yes, he was streaming the act live on Twitch. Frank Mortensen was the man identified. He described himself as a white supremacist. The man entered the market's parking lot and began firing openly at people. According to a witness working at Tops, the market was packed because it was the weekend. Two of the 13 people who shot were white men and two were black, three of the 13 victims were saved and other were killed on the spot. The man was clearly expressing racial hatred toward the black community. The man was fully equipped, armed and had his helmet in a military uniform. So one of the things that will come out of this is body armor. I'm sure that they will do everything in their power to limit body armor. So we've got weapons, weapons that have been purchased legally, theoretically, um, adapting the weapon to do something that theoretically is against the law. So they'll go after that. You've got the body armor piece and you've got, guess what? Twitch live streaming technology, deplatforming. And, and they were just talking about hate crimes as domestic terrorism. Go back to January 6th, still. January 6th is still in the mix. And, I, and if you look on the thumbnail for today's show, I've got Jake Angeli, the Buffalo shaman, right? And where is this thing taking place? In Buffalo, New York. Do you think this is by accident? Do you think that this is, 
I mean, part of it is part of the synchro mystic canon where these events get spit out and we're, and we're really supposed to pay attention to them because you know, they're telling you what's going on. The buffalo are, they were an endangered fucking species. They're part of the fabric of the United States of America and they were nearly wiped out. And now they're just domesticated beasts of burden. That's what they're, that's what they're telling you. And there are events on a yearly basis where they will go out to places like the Badlands or Wyoming or, and they will go shoot Buffalo and they'll shoot Buffalo in a very secure and, and uh, enclosed and regulated environment. Hmm. Says he was ready to fight the police. Blah, blah, blah. White supremacy, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So that's one story, and that's on Yem Foundation. Who is Frank Mortensen? You think that's the only story? No, it is not. Here we go. Here's another link. Frank Mortensen arrested, 17-year-old suspect, live-streamed, deadly Buffalo, New York shooting on Twitch. Officers from the Buffalo police responded to a report of an active shooting at the Topps Market in the 1200 block of Jefferson, Jefferson Avenue, uh, May 14, 2022, breaking BPD of a mass shooting at the tops in the 1200 block of Jefferson Avenue. Okay, we got that. Nine individuals reported shot, five of them in the head. Okay, so they lived. You get shot in the fucking head. He was using a 5.56 bullet. I don't think you would live. <clears throat> Sorry. Try again. A legendary LTBQGTA plus activist just died. Did you see that? What else? We have another link here. Here's another one. M Random News. Now these are not mainstream mainstream news sites, but they continually talk about Frank Mortensen. Here we go. Who is Frank Mortensen? Shooting Buffalo, New York today, 17. Live stream, the attack on Twitch is dead or still alive. So this is all happening very quickly, right? just scraping. So it was at 2.30 PM, active shooter with a semi-automatic rifle. We know the details. The retired police officer, so that was like a a mirror event of David Dorn who came out against black lives matter. And I think he was in Chicago and got killed. It was like walking into a horror movie. Oh, interesting. But everything, everything's real. It's like the end of the world. It's so overwhelming. A police officer at the scene told the Buffalo news. So the, the manifesto was apparently 180 pages. And this is just getting into this whole 
you know, replacement theory, which is Tucker Carlson talked about. And now all of a sudden there's this big shooting, right? Isn't it amazing just how timely it is? Tucker Carlson talks about it. They're claiming that he's a white supremacist and a racist. And now you have a shooter in Buffalo, New York, who has a 180 page manifesto talking about the replacement society. Boy, they. Here we go, screamable.com. A video removed. Ooh. Violating terms of service. Then we have Peyton Gendron. Peyton Gendron. So who really was doing the shooting? Was it Peyton Gendron? Or was it Frank Mortensen? Because initially, the person's named Frank Mortensen. See, here we go. John Legend and Seth Myers hit out at Tucker Carlson. So clearly they're going after, and look, Tucker is a deep state baby. I've talked about Tucker before, deep state baby all the way, friends with Hunter Biden. And Tucker Carlson will get, he, Tucker Carlson is the mainstream version of Alex Jones. And that he'll, he'll talk about things that will allow people to blow off some steam. Like he's the release valve on the pressure cooker. That's who Tucker Carlson is. But Tucker Carlson can't talk about other things. He can't talk about 2,000 mules. He won't. He won't. Fox News can't talk about that, that video. And uh, I saw Dinesh D'Souza on Jason Whitlock's show last night. And sounds like, the, you know, I haven't seen the movie. I've seen parts of it. You can watch it on BitChute for free. Although apparently now it's going to 400 theaters around the country. So I guess if you wanted to support Dinesh D'Souza and go watch this movie, it's a pretty good chance it'll be near a theater or in a theater near you. So he was on Jason Whitlock last night talking about 2000 Mules, Fox News, and it puts Jason into, I think, a weird predicament because Jason is on Tucker Carlson fairly frequently, like every couple of weeks. He'll talk about something. And he's, I don't know if he's had Tucker on his show. I don't know about that. Um, but this definitely kind of puts him at odds with Tucker and Fox. Jason is going through something. So, you know, I, I love watching the show. And I, I started to watch Jason when he was on Fox. And his show was primarily sports. Pardon the interrupt. Not pardon the interrupt. Um, speak for yourself. And I love the format. Um you know, I loved, uh, this is when I first, you know, got a taste of Uncle Jimmy, who was fucking hilarious. I think Uncle Jimmy is a comic genius. And Jason was was off all of last week. I'm like, what's going on with Jason? Why, did, why is he off this week? And last night he said, well, you know, we, man's got to take a night off every now and then. 
And then I realized that Uncle Jimmy was not on, not, not only not on the show, but they have these like public service announcements that Uncle Jimmy did, and they're gone. And Jason does this thing called the approval rating. Um, and they were doing an approval rating for Chris Paul. And Steve Kim was doing the approval rating for him. And I like Steve Kim. Don't get me wrong. I think Steve Kim is really funny. Um, he's smart. Pretty irreverent. But Uncle Jimmy is gone. He's no longer on, on Fearless. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the, uh, the details on it. If I find anything out, I'll let you know. But um, he's gone. Anyway, we were talking about Tucker Carlson. Um, so this is what's going on here, right? They're this is more about Tucker Carlson than it is about, I mean, it's, it's one of those ambient events. And they're going after this whole idea of Tucker Carlson and the replacement society. Now they have Nina Janowitz coming in. And Nina Janowitz is there to be the czar of disinformation the ministress of truth. That's what her, that's what her, her uh, job title is for all intents and purposes. So what they want to do is they want to be able to control the dialogue. I mean, now remember this also is taking place when the sun is conjunct algal astrologically. And that is the fixed star that is connected with lynchings, beheadings, and the ability to speak. So this is an algal event too. Now, I said on Sunday night there'd be three of these. There was already another one that happened. I don't think that one was entirely scripted, though. I mean, I think that one probably happened, unfortunately, organically. It was a shooting at a church in Laguna Hills. And it was at a church that was, I think, primarily Chinese. So you had a Chinese dude going into a church and opening, opening fire on a church and Chinese Church in Laguna Hills, where they just had a fire. So now those are two shootings. I said there'd be three. That was probably not a state-sponsored event. Just saying. So we're in this major psychological operation. Major. And I don't think there's any mistake at all that the shooting took place in Buffalo because the imagery is so rife, so rife. You've got the herd imagery with Amber Heard. You've got Johnny Depp with um, Hunter S. Thompson and where the Buffalo roam. You have the Buffalo shaman going all the way back to January 6th. Not to mention all the uh, all the Taurus astrological imagery taking place at this time. So this is a very interesting, it's an interesting event from that perspective. Although I don't find these shootings to be all that interesting. In fact, I'm kind of over them. I don't really enjoy doing this. It's not like, I, oh, well, let's go find out all these little things that we can say about this and connect all these dots. Like, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's, let's take the piss out of it. You know, let's, 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 um, Unplug it from the grid so that it has no power to shock us. I mean, I'll, I'll do it for that reason, but it's like, I'm kind of over, I'm over these fucking shootings and not in a way where I'm, 
I'm over them from like, oh, we got to do something about guns. No, I'm just, I'm over them because they're, they're being used ultimately to sculpt our reality. I'm just over it. And I think a lot of other people are. And yet people will just continue to buy into them. And the, pr the problem is, is that, that now they're mixing and matching reality with, with um, virtual reality, staged reality, very hard to discern what's going on. So we look at things like the meta symbolism. We look at the Buffalo, we look at what it represents. You know, yesterday we talked about Buffalo Bill and what did Buffalo Bill do? He took the Buffalo Bill sideshow, he took it out to people all over the world and told people, this is how things were in the Wild West. Really? Is that how they really were? Well, that's how you're portraying them. And then again, because, uh, you know, we have this whole relationship with cinema and cinema comes right after these traveling shows with Buffalo Bill. It's sort of like, you know, one medium is over. And then another medium begins its, um, its imprint upon the American public. And I talked a little bit about Tom Mix yesterday. And let me see if I can do the Tom Mix thing really quickly. Oh my God. Sometimes, sometimes the world is just too fucking weird. Now, now I'm in uh, Emily's glass bead game. Do you know when Tom Mix was born? He was born on January 6th. In Mix Run, Pennsylvania. Born Thomas Edwin Mix. He appeared in 291 all but nine of which were silent. He was Hollywood's first Western star and helped define the genre. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Mix room Pence, he was a state, his father was a stable master for a wealthy lumber merchant, taught him to ride and love horses. He spent time working on a local farm owned by Jean Dubois, a lumber business. He had dreams of being in the circus and was rumored to have been caught by his parents practicing knife throwing tricks against a wall, using his sister as an assistant. He's born January 6th. Uh, in, in 1905, let's see. He, I guess he was in the Spanish-American War. His unit never went overseas. And Mix later failed to return to duty. He went AWOL. In 1905, President uh, Theodore Roosevelt's inaugural parade with a group of 50 horsemen led by Seth Bullock, which included several former Rough Riders. Years later, Hollywood publicists muddled this event to imply that Mix had been a Rough Rider himself. Um, he went to Oklahoma, lived in Guthrie, worked as a bartender, other art jobs, briefly a night marshal in Dewey in 1911. He eventually found employment at the Miller Brothers 101 Ranch, one of the largest ranching businesses in the United States. Eventually, he goes off to Hollywood. He began his film career as a supporting cast member with the Selig Polyscope Company. Interesting. 
His first appearance was in a short film, The Cowboy Millionaire, released on October 21st, 1909. In 1910, he appeared as himself in a short documentary film, Ranch Life in the Great Southwest, in which he displayed his skills as a cattle wrangler shot at the Selig Studio in the Edenvale District of Los Angeles, now known as Silver Lake. The film was a success and Mix became an early motion picture star. He did over 100 films for Selig. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Maybe we get into some Tom Mix tomorrow. That, I think that would be an interesting topic. Interesting topic. I'm going to go through some, some uh, Tom Mix references here. Let me do uh, Tom Nix. Um, yeah, so here we go. See, this is where it just gets really fucking weird. Really, really weird. I guess this is um, from uh, Dave... McGowan, the Tom Mix log cabin. This is in Laurel Canyon. Right there. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Uh, we moved into the old Tom Mix log cabin in Laurel Canyon in late 1967. I had just returned from, from road managing the Sir Douglas Quintet on tour Kitty and I were joined there with my old friends from San Antonio, Charles Winans, Eddie Douglas, and Steve Hyman. The log cabin belonged to Fania Pearson, who hired me as the manager of the estate. In exchange for free rent, the log cabin was a cavernous three-level home, but featured 2,000-square-foot living room with a wide rock fireplace so large you could put big logs into it. In the basement was a regulation-sized single-lane bowling alley and a man-made cave featuring a spiral staircase. So this becomes the launching pad for the Laurel Canyon scene. It's all there. Houdini Mansion's not far from there. Here's the Frank Zappa Canyon, the Frank Zappa Cabin, which I believe is the Tom Mix Cabin, the Houdini House, Laurel Canyon. There's Mulholland Drive right there, Laurel Canyon Boulevard. The Rainbow Bar and Grill, which is where Lemmy hung out, and Led Zeppelin and all the other rock stars, Whiskey A Go Go, all just straight down the hill, right? Roddy Bingenheimer's English Disco, all on Sunset, Barney's Beanery, these are all music joints. Tom Mix, the big Western star. The first Western star, he's the one that they sculpt the American, they put Tom Mix on the back of a horse and they create an entire mythology, an entire industry. And when was he born? January fucking 6th, 1880. Isn't that interesting? Now I'm sounding like Gonzalo Lira. I bet you didn't know that. Mm. 
I bet you didn't know that. Isn't that interesting? Sorry. Um, that's a trip, right? Do I want to get into uh, Karen Karina? I'm going to do that tomorrow. We'll, we'll look at the new press secretary tomorrow. The hot mess. The hot mess secretary from Martinique, who has French citizenship, by the way. Um, she's not as good as a, of a psychopath as Jen Saki. Jen was a Sackypath. She's Sackypathic. And Miss um, Kareem, Miss Kareem has some issues. I did her chart last night. We'll talk about her chart tomorrow. We'll do that. She's got issues. She's got a big T square in her chart. Mars, Moon. Neptune, T-square. She's got a temper. She's going to lose her shit. But she also has that Mars-Neptune square, which is not good. She can become defeated. I just don't see her lasting very long. She took the job during a Mercury retrograde. She's got Moon and Gemini. Good luck. She's a Leo. A lot of pride. She didn't like answering those questions yesterday, by the way. You can just tell. Like it was a mixture of um, just absolute diffidence. I like that word, diffidence. Diffidence and wanting to be anywhere but there. Like she wanted to kill Peter Ducey, but she also wanted to get the fuck out of there. Like it was hard to watch. Very, very hard to watch. And she's clearly a political appointment. She checks all the boxes. She's black, lesbian. And a migrant, although she probably doesn't come from like severe poverty. She's not Haitian. She's from Martinique. And she uh, we'll get into more of this tomorrow, but she's married to Suzanne Malveaux, who is a, a, a journalist, broadcaster of PBS fame. And Suzanne Malveaux considers herself to be Black. And she may have some Creole in her or something, but she does not look like Miss Karen, the new press secretary. Trust me on that. We'll, we'll get into that tomorrow. Uh, and if there's any more details that come out with, you know, this so-called shooting, which is being used to buffalo the American people who are really on the endangered species list at this point in time, truly are. And this is, I think, the, the subtext, the coda of what's really going on here. And if there's more, if there's more to mine, we shall mine it. And we'll be back with another Buffalo-themed day tomorrow. I think we're trying to get um, Chris Knowles from The Secret Sun on Friday's show. Maybe we can talk more about this whole Buffalo imagery. You know, there's the bullseye, too, which is in the sign of Taurus, and I believe it's in the Pleiades, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe we'll get into some of that tomorrow, the whole bullseye mythology, too. All right, I'm out of here. Thank you, everybody. Um, appreciate all of your support, your kind thoughts, your kind words, especially towards Rosie. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to discern what's possible. 
I'm Robert Phoenix. Take good care. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye for now.